I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at KindFarmsInc, all one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is KindFarmsInc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is RYAN10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on An Actor Despairs, we have one of my favorite actors, Peter McDesee. I discovered him in Six Feet Under, and he was so incredible as the character Olivier. He had such an energy and came in like a hurricane that I've watched his career blossom. You've seen him in other things like Towelhead, and we're here to talk about his new film, Uncle Frank. It's very moving. It's with him and Paul Bettany, directed by Alan Ball. Peter, you're a superstar. I love you, brother. Peter McDesey, how are you doing? Welcome to An Actor Despairs. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, so great to have you on. I'm such a massive fan of yours. When this email came my way, I was... I was over the moon, you know, I, uh, I, I talk about this a lot in the show, what makes the difference between good acting and great acting and, and good acting is, you know, people that can just play a personality and great acting are people that make choices, really right. distinct one and nuances and, and bring something to the text that isn't just on the page and elevate it. And I remember when I first saw you as Olivier in Six Feet Under, mm-hmm. I'll never forget the first scene that you did is, is you came in. Like, and it's so hard as an actor to come into a show that's established. Exactly. Make your presence known. And sure. I'll, I'll never forget it. You said, I want you to paint a picture of the most horrible day of your lives. And I was so fascinated by your energy. And I love what you did with that character. I've just been such a big fan of yours. And it's so cool watching you now. And Uncle Frank and everything that you've done, man. It, welcome. It's, it's a real honor. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> So, I'm so humbled by your comments. <laughs> oh man, you're you're excellent. I, I can't wait to to dig into the new project. But let's start from the beginning. You grew up in Lebanon. Yeah, I was born uh, in Lebanon uh, to a Lebanese dad and Armenian mother, and I did uh, grow up there. Yeah, for sure. During the war, actually. So yeah, how was that? How was that? I mean, I I feel like that's a redundant question, but well, you know, like when you ask me how that is, it's just like hard to compare to anything else because at the time you didn't know anything else. Yeah, that was the normal way to to sort of live, but it was unstable. Yeah, I would say it was unstable. It was very uh, 
uh, you know, I mean, too exciting and too stimulating. You didn't know when the bombs would start. You didn't know when you had to run to the shelter. And uh, it was definitely a very unique experience that most people in this country, at least, uh, don't have. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for it because it made me who I am right now. And it just gave me a different perspective on life. Ah, I totally respect that. Talk to me. What What did your parents do? Were they artists or? Oh what my they- god, not at all. No, no, no. My, <laughs> I wish it would have been easier. <laughs> Such an easier journey. <laughs> I know, right? Not at all. My my dad, like you know, had a factory, and my mom was just like a housewife. Actually, as simple wow. as that. Yeah, and I had a sister, Laura, who was older, and Johnny, who was younger. And uh, we grew up in like the suburbs of Beirut, I guess. Okay. And so how, how did you get attracted to the arts? Was it like literature at first or what were the kind of? Uh, no, I think, you know, watching TV. I mean, I yeah. grew up with American movies and American shows, uh, French as well, and some British, but mainly American. So, you know, like you named the show, I've seen it, you know, yeah. like um, the Six Million Dollar Man. I think that was like the first show maybe I've, you know, <laughs> the bionic women. Yeah. I was in Dallas and Falcon Crest and Mission Mark Impossible. Man. No, that that's too old for me. I <laughs> okay. <wasn't laughs> <show. laughs> that was a test. That was a test. <laughs> was a test. I <laughs> So all these shows, you know, it was kind of interesting to see. And I would, you know, what was interesting, uh, even when I was a kid, like, you know, 10 or 12 or whatever, I would see like, oh my God, I would think that the guest stars on these shows were better than the series. Right. Yeah. That's why I started this podcast. But, you know, at 12 to notice that, that yeah. must that's unusual right yeah. so we're attracted to the series regulars they represent something we project on them whatever blah 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 but i would like i was like wow that's a good actor that's a good actress whatever but the thing that blew me away was rebel without a cause yeah uh, james I, dean i was yeah i was like 13 or something i was you know they showed it on tv and it was about 10 p.m it started i was all alone in the dark everybody had gone to bed and i watched it and my soul sort of something happened to my soul where it was just an unbelievable cataclysmic experience for me yeah. I mean, the vulnerability the 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 work for it, it was so personal so so vulnerable so intense i fell in love with him I, yeah. I fell in love with him and that's like little by little i sort of like maybe i should take a crack at this or whatnot i mean there was a penchant to perform you know i've always like I uh, had sketches for my parents' dance and songs, especially when the bombs started falling. I was like entertaining them. Yeah, to, to stay sane. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's like a movie, actually. Yeah. So it's uh, so little by little. And then I heard through my sister that there is a drama school in Lebanon, which is called Institut de Beaux-Arts, which is the French word for, you know, uh, uh, fine arts, the, the Institute okay. of Fine Arts or something. Is in and Beirut or? Yeah, in Beirut. So wow. I went to that, and mainly, you know, it's a traditional act, a drama school, which means uh, the focus is on theater and your voice and your diction and movement and fencing and, and, and classics and exactly so yeah. the, the traditional uh, acting. So which was cool, and I did a lot of plays over there when when you know it was possible to do any plays during that time. And then I moved to Europe and then I came here because I had heard of the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute and Method Acting. That's where I went. James Dean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah.
Oh, I, I, I came here to Los Angeles. Oh, so, yeah, Santa Monica Boulevard. I know. Exactly, well. yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so then I came to LA to go to, to Lee Strasberg to learn the method. It took me, it took me a minute to get it. It took me yeah. a minute. It was not, and you know, for most foreigners and Europeans, it, it, it's not an easily accessible method. Yeah. It takes a bit to understand it. And I think it takes a maturity to like, it's great that you had all those experiences because I, I entered at 18 and I don't think I fully appreciated it because I was just coming out of high school, you know, to have, it sounds like you had this amazing experience in Beirut and then you went to Europe and then, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like the form, so the scene I would do is Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah. You know, the form was very important. Like that's very European and old world in a way. And then we come here, Lee Strasberg, sensory work. Why am I trying to feel an orange? Why am I trying to smell an apple? Uh, you know, like it took a while. And then all of a sudden it was just, it was like, like a, this deluge of knowing who you are. Yeah. And I think that's essential for an artist to know exactly who you are. It's for critical. People. And it was it was an incredible experience. I mean, I remember Anna Strasberg giving me a scholarship because I came with no money. And she said, you're superiorly talented, Peter, and I'm going to give you a scholarship. So she gave me a scholarship for two more years, actually. Wow. Like, so generous of her. And I'm, like, so thankful for her because it really made me the actor that I am now. Um, uh, so that was exciting. And then, you know, I started auditioning, blah, 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 and the rest is history. So, so did you, do you feel like Strasbourg is very, you know, let's say maybe you found your form at the other schools. Yeah. Strasbourg is where you found your voice. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's so interesting. Even now with A-list actors, sometimes like I find if they're doing something, um, uh, what's that word? Like something a little bit, uh, like a period piece or something a little bit dated. Know, not sort of like if you're playing like an animal or a robot or whatever you find them going right away to the form yeah wow that's a mistake like i can't believe this actor or this actress did that yeah you always have to come from the inside i mean that's now you could you could use exterior stimuli to to sort of kick off the inside but if it's not supported it has to be supported by the inner life of the character and then play the form, yeah. not just like play the form externally. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, you're making, a, I totally get what you're but saying. To me, I mean, that's where I, I'm so appreciative uh, 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 of Strasberg's work because it, it, I think it's, it's, it's super, super important. So talk to me, like if, if we could paint the landscape of Los Angeles at this time, you know, what at that time it was probably just network shows, right? Like NBC, ABC, <laughs> HBO was probably a relatively new phenomena with with right. Oz and right. And so when you when you were there, what kind of things were you auditioning for? So two weeks after landing in Los Angeles, I uh, I saw an ad on a bulletin board that it's a non-union feature. There was like the non-union feature yeah. that you know you couldn't be in union features yeah. before getting your SAC card. Uh, and they, they were looking for a Middle Eastern salesman or something. So I went there. I auditioned. I got the part. And I said, yay, Hollywood is opening its arms. To me. <laughs> you know, I was so excited. I was over the moon. I mean, I thought, you know. So that was that. And then that was it for a long time. There was nothing going on. Uh, you know, I didn't have uh, 
uh, my SAG card. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a manager, whatever it takes, you know? And to me, like having an agent was this like sort of utopia. Yeah. Like, this illustrious yeah. agent or yeah. like SAG. Oh my God. You had to do so many, so much. I think it was, you do three non-union features and then you could get your SAG card. I don't remember exactly. The rules are always changing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I would, uh, I would like, I, I, I sort of hustled a lot. Like I would show up at like an agency and I said, I have an appointment with so-and-so agent. That's awesome. I love that. I, I, did, that I, did, I did all of that stuff. And it was so embarrassing because like they would, she would check it out. I don't have you down. And oh, like, I'm here. I'm here. I'm there. <laughs> um, so I did a lot of that. You know, a lot of that obviously did not work out. I don't know exactly when it started working out. Like, obviously, I got my SAC card. And then, you know, I, I did join some agencies. I forgot the names, but they were very, very, very small agencies. Like, you know, very, very like, uh, obscure agencies almost. So, uh, and little by little, you know, you climb up that ladder. Yeah. And I did... Uh, the, the first thing I did that was SAG, I remember, it was a TV show called JAG. Yeah, I remember Jag. I've seen it. So I booked a job. I remember, like, you know, uh, going on audition, and then somebody yelled, and they were fantastic audition. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got the part. So that was the first thing. And then, you know, Pensacola with, uh, uh, what's Josh Brolin's dad's name? Oh, um, he, James he, Brolin? Is it James? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was like the producer of the show as well as the actor. So I did that. And then, you know, 24 and X Files. So I forgot, and some pilots, some sitcom, uh, sitcom pilot, you know, stuff like that. Until yeah. you know, Feet Under came, and the pro- probably that one, that show was what puts me on the map in a small way because everything else before it was just day player, co-star, guest star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it was like, it was very like sort of an uninspired casting in a way. And yeah. Like, and there's not much you can do those acting wise. You're just there to move the narrative along. Exactly. Know? Exactly. So, exactly. So talk to me when, when, you know, cause like when the history of television is written, you know, Alan Ball, you know, David Simon and Tom Fontana, those are going to be the three names that are first there because that, you know, HBO is what made modern television as we know it is now. And exactly. with it, without that happening, without Six Feet Under, without The Sopranos, without Oz, without The Wire, none of this would have happened. That was the catalyst that changed it all. So when exactly. you, when you got the Olivier audition, did you know at that time, you know, Six Feet Under, like, did you know the show? Uh, I did not know the show, uh, but then, but not initially, but then, you know, I watched the show uh, and I auditioned in the second season, actually, before Olivier for, um, uh, it was the character that was David's, the character's name was David, I think, David's boyfriend. Okay. Okay. I think the name was Ben Dooley. Okay. Character and I did not get the part, and I was devastated. And then I um, sort of um, invited Alan Ball to watch me in a showcase that I put up uh, at Strasbourg. Uh, no, actually, at Salome Jen Studio. By that time, I had left Strasbourg. I had okay, finished. okay. Got I was taking some acting, individual acting classes. Yeah. So I've yeah. taken after that. I took a lot of like you know different teachers and just to keep the craft honing your craft and whatnot. So we set up a play, a French play by Marguerite Duras. 
for the life of me, I forgot the name of it. Uh, but at any rate, so I invited Alan Ball to watch it. And I thought, what do you think? You think blah, blah, blah. What you and then Olivier came along and, yeah. you know, he sort of gave me the part, actually. And then it, it evolved. I guess I was like supremely lucky in that regard. And uh, you earned it, though. You were so good in that show. You know, it's I, I, the way I describe your characters, like, you know, when you watch The Dark Knight and the Joker's not in every scene and yeah. you just want him to be in every scene. You know, right. you were so intoxicating and it was so fun to watch and, and volatile yeah. in the best sense of the word. Yeah, I still remember like the first day of the shoot. I was like, you know, I just like came in like a hurricane. I just, <laughs> I just, I just, because I felt his energy, you know, it's it's very important to know the energy of your character. So, yeah. so his energy was like, that's it and nothing else, basically. He's just yeah. like part of this. He has uh, specific ideas of how art should be. And that's how it is. He yeah. doesn't listen. He's, you know, so, so I worked on that a little bit and, you know, I enjoyed working on it a lot. And then there was the fourth season, a little bit less than the fifth season. So, you know, it was, it was a recurring role. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great one. And did that allow you to flex up agency wise? Um, well, wait, I mean, you know, if you want to, if you want me to tell you the story of Hollywood, it's kind of devastating because I, yeah, I tell me, please. Yeah. I thought, you know, like agents are going to be after me other yeah. other, and none of that happened. I mean, none of that happened. That was such a fallow period where I like, I, I, I went into a severe, severe depression because I thought, and you know, like at the time, Honestly speaking, I mean, I was super, super naive. I mean, so yeah. in terms of, in terms of like ethnicities and race and yeah. diversity, like I had no idea. I thought I'm like the, like any other average American actor, yeah. and that's obviously not the case. So I would think like, why not this like let's say white actor? Why not me? So yeah. I didn't have that. I didn't have that programmed in my brain that, that America and specifically Hollywood is really very categorical in yeah. its in the way it, it thinks, right? So you have white guys, you have black guys, you have Asian guys, and somehow me, I'm like this other or Middle Eastern guy. It's yeah. much better now, but at the time, it was, it was binary. Still hard, yeah. still hard to sort of, you know, break through. And it still it, is for me, you know, it still is. I mean, it's just super, super hard. So, how did you buoy yourself for those listening? You know, what did you do to to keep to keep the course? Because you know, my show's called An Actor Despairs, and that's an integral part of our journey is, is despair. We all know yeah. that when we sign up for this. So how did, how did you keep going? You know, what? Well, I mean, you know, I, I kept on going on auditions, and then that fizzled out a bit. Agencies, nothing was happening. And I was there. So it was, so I said, let me take a crack at writing. So yeah. I started writing screenplays, and I've written about three or four. Nothing, uh, nothing was done. Uh, and some a pilot and a, and a half hour show and stuff like that. So Were you I, selling I, them or? I was trying to sell them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Nothing got sold yeah. either because my voice apparently is, as I heard, a bit European. So I'm like, okay, whatever that means. Yeah. So um, and then you know um, I knew Alan Ball was looking for uh, for a development guy in his uh, production company. Yeah. So I said, you know, how about I, can I get a job there and whatnot? So he gave me this job where, you know, I was in development uh, uh, and where you read a lot of scripts. Doing coverage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what's good, what's not, what you want to do and blah, blah. 
And like from there, I sort of moved up to, I started understanding the business. And the best thing that happened to me was working on the other side of the fence. Interesting. Because for me specifically, as I told you, I'm a very gullible kind of guy. I got to understand what the business is. Yeah. And then if you don't nail an audition, that doesn't mean you're not a good actor. No. And it has so little to do with you sometimes. So many variables. It's unbelievable. So, so I learned that and I, I produced, uh, I co-produced with them many shows like Banshee on cinema. Yeah, Anthony Starr's a friend who did the show. Exactly. Shreyas Kelly Don, Hoon Lee, they all exactly. did the show. Exactly. I love Banshee. One of so the best shows I, ever. I developed that with the writer, Jonathan, uh, at the time, Tropper, and David Chiklis. We developed this show for two years, actually. It was set up at HBO, and then it moved to Cinemax, and we had to adjust the tone a bit to fit that network. So I learned a lot. And then, yeah. you know, came the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks, yeah. with Oprah, you know. So I, I did all of that. And meanwhile, as well, forgive me chronologically, I'm screwing up. So no, it's okay. Not, but I did Towelhead as well yeah. in the midst of all that, which was, a bo- which was based on a book that Alan wanted to direct. And the character was Lebanese and I'm from Lebanon. And he thought I'd be perfect. And yeah. I loved shooting that that movie. I mean, it was, I had the most fun doing that, that movie. That was your Rebel Without a Cause? That is my Rebel Without a Cause. You got it. Exactly. Yeah. That's so amazing. That's great. It was, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you've uh, seen the movie, but it's actually, it was, it was a good movie, but it was controversial. Yeah. And the critics wanted it to fail. I mean, I think it held up pretty well if you want to check it out. It's yeah, absolutely. A, a very conservative, stern Lebanese dad. It's, it's a story about a girl coming of age and the neighbor molests her and the dad is not doing a good job. It was yeah. a fantastic, fantastic uh, movie, you know, with the Tony Collette, Maria Bello, and Aaron oh, Eckhart. And, um, <clears throat> and I love that. And I, you know, that brought up. Mm, the confidence back in me as an yeah. actor, because you know every time actually you you it, it sort of dips and you start doubting yourself. Yeah, it's like stepping away from the gym. You're not in shape as much, you exactly. know. And, yeah. and you know, am I really good? Should I really pursue this? You are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should do hands yeah. and and sell baguettes or something. Yeah. You know. Um, and then after that, you know, a few jobs came along, like Burning Palms. and Here and Now. That's later. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, what else? Oh, The Losers, right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and then Here and Now was like two or three years ago. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. That was, and then Here and Now came as well. So we were developing that show that Alan wrote. Let, let me ask and, you, while you were developing, were you... Were you feeling creatively fulfilled or did you just feel like it was a way to survive in sort of the periphery of well, what you it loved? Is, it is creatively fulfilling, but it's yeah. not like acting to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you, I have to be honest. I've been honest about this. I mean, producing is fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. It gives you a sense of control that you don't have. Yeah, because I feel like I'd want to be like, when when can my role in the show be? You know? exactly. <laughs> so you call the yeah. shot, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, editing, you know, being in post and learning uh, editing and and music and how to put that and how to piece things together. It was really 
a great, a great learning experience for me. So you would say B- Banshee was your film school in some ways? Banshee was my development uh, of school, as okay. well as Henrietta Lacks. But with Here and Now is when I really started producing. Yeah. You know, really, really being like a, a decision maker in every single aspect of production. Yeah. From pre-production to production to post-production, everything. And it was a fantastic learning experience and casting, you know, and then you understand like why this person got the job. And, you know, I was casting these people and I'm like, oh my God, like the producer session, I'm going to say no to this guy and I'm going to break his heart. I mean, it was really, really tough. But then this other guy was the best for this role. Yeah. Because they, I know they could the make right stuff. choices, but not be right for the role. It, 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 just, it could be your nose, your yeah. hair, the way yeah. you sound, your height. Yeah. You know, and you do a lot of, uh, what, what is that thing called? Matching, like sort of where you bring the already, you know, cast actress and she has to audition with this person. Oh, the chemistry reads. Chemistry reads. Yeah. 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 So, you have to do a lot of, so there's a lot, a lot of variables. It's not that the best gets the part. Yeah. It really is not. Yeah. I can't emphasize that. More. No, I know. It, I know. It's it, not. Casting yeah. is really very, very interesting, you know. And then, you know, I got to work with Holly Hunter and, um, and Tim, Tim Robbins. My friend Sosie Bacon was in it. So, you know, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, we went to acting yeah. school. Yeah, I love so. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And she was great in it, actually, too. She was great in the show. Yeah. And, you know, so we did here and now, and then Uncle Frank is just coming out next week. Let's talk about mm-hmm. Uncle Frank because it's incredible and so moving, and you're so great in this. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. You, you yeah, were yeah, seeing yeah. you and Paul Bettany in it, and it, it seemed like. You know, there's it's it's obviously totally on the other end of the spectrum from Olivier, but you know, I can only imagine from what I've read of your story. I mean, let's without giving away the story, the plot is 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 two men who are in love with each other, but yeah. you know, one is is still kind of dealing with the existential reality of his identity. With, exactly. Yeah, it, and it takes place in the seventies, which is yeah, interesting because at that time it was very hard for anyone to come out yeah and uh and it's uh paul's character uncle frank he's like sort of traumatized and hasn't faced his demons and blah 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 so he's forced to face his demons with the help of his partner who might play and uh, and his niece uh sophia lillis plays that part she's great yeah exactly and and um you know that I don't want to give away, as you said, the, a lot of the story. But we we had a great cast with Margot Martindale, Lois Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, um, uh, Steve. Steve yeah, I love Steve. Steve. Yeah. Um, I'm forgetting people. Judy Greer, Jane McNeil. Yeah. They were yeah. all great. Um, so it was a great, great experience, and I would never think <clears throat> that I would play something like that because the first time Alan gave me the script. Because, you know, I'm a producer on it too. So he, he said, so tell me what you think. So after telling him what I think, I told him, are you sure I'm the best guy to play this part? Because yeah. he's like this ray of light. Yeah. The sunshine. This like, he's like so optimistic about life. So loving. So different, <laughs> so different from what we know from the so business. <laughs> It's so funny though, because like when you see it for those listening, like 
when you see it, there's no one other than Peter I could see in that role. You're so great, and I just want to hug you and like I need yeah, you. He's 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 incredible. Actually, it's a great character, and I was like. I was like, are you sure? Like, I, I don't feel like, you know, so it took me a minute to really understand him and get him. A lot of people think that it was, it's kind of easy to play parts like that, including me. Yeah. But it turned out not to be that easy, actually. Um, because, you know, actors are are sort of attracted to parts that are characters that are traumatized. Yeah. Things that are intense and edgy and crazy and suffer from like, you know, any any disorder in the DSM that you could find. That's most actors are attracted to that. So this guy was not that at all, right? So um so he said, you know, I think you're great, but two things I need you to think of. I don't want you to have an Arabic accent. And I would like you to be few, you know, to have like extra pounds, a few extra pounds on you. Oh, wow. But because he wanted them to be real and not like the gay idea. Yeah, I, gay ideal. Or, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that was easy to do. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, we didn't have a lot of money at all. And we shot in North Carolina, which was fantastic. I loved it. I loved it. You guys shot Banshee there as well, right? Say what? You shot Banshee there as well, right? Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, Banshee was in South Carolina mostly. And our movie takes place in South Carolina, but but we shot in North Carolina in Wilmington. Um, and ha- talk to me about filming this one. You know, was when when you showed up on day one, do you feel like you, you had him or did you feel like it was a it was your journey to get to, to the core of the character? Um, you know, um, I was, I was uh, ready because, you know, like, I don't know if people do that or actor, but what I do is that, you know, I work on the character. I know like his dreams, his religion, yeah. his, uh, all of that stuff. That's very, very important. But at one point, like you're lying down and something hits you, at least hit me and, oh yeah, I know him. Yeah. I mean, you just feel him. You just feel the character like a specter. And it just entering your body, your soul. And I know I, I sound poetic and ridiculous. But no, not at all. You're an artist. It is that way for me. And I felt, I felt secure after that because it just, it was like, it was something that was not tangible, yeah. but it was a felt experience that, you know, I, I had them. And then, you know, we worked, of course, externally on the hair, the seventies and then the costumes and then, and then we had two days of rehearsal. Yeah, I was so, going to say, did you and Paul rehearse? Because you had amazing chemistry. Two days. Two days. That's it. Wow. With Alan, Paul, Sophia, and me. Uh, and it went like very fast. And one day we started shooting. And uh, it was a difficult shoot. I mean, it was, it was very quick. It was, you know, it was difficult, but challenging, but yeah. fun. And everybody is super professional. I mean, it was just like boom, 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 you know. Yeah, it it's, a, it's such a beautiful film. It's a film the world needs right now, you know. We, yeah, I, I can agree with you more. Yeah. I don't think there's anything more, uh, what's it, like a, a zeitgeist thing that we need to kind of build us up again from all the trauma that we've endured over this whatever you want to call this year this <laughs> but was it cathartic for you you know like talk to me balancing the acting and producing thing is that tricky for you knowing uh, it it's not tricky it's very difficult yeah it's it's very taxing it's super super taxing on me uh because you have to do everything pre-production production post-production and then 
uh, you have to act as well. And the hours are gruesome and long. And uh, sometimes I can be on the set when Wally was not shooting because my character, because uh, I needed to take the day off and sleep. I mean, yeah. it was that whole, you know, uh, it's not tricky because I learned already that once, you know, in the editing room, like you see uh, the character, you really, I'm really capable of seeing him objectively. Yeah. And that's something I never thought I could do. Wow. And that's an achievement. Yeah. Just to see him, to see the work and not see yourself. Totally. And that, that I, I'm very grateful to whoever uh, made me get there because it's it's very essential as a producer to be that. And, you know, a lot of Wally scenes got cut in the movie and rightfully so because the rhythm of the movie and the balance between the drama and the comedy is so delicate. Yeah. That we had to get rid of a lot of scenes, not just Wally, a lot, everybody actually. Yeah. yeah. Had to shave off scenes, as you know. I mean, it happens all the time uh, to make the movie better, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, rhythmically speaking. And that was, uh, that was okay. I mean, it was not. And did you have a hard time letting go of Wally when you had to go into the post process or? Uh, you know, it, it was. It, I felt the pinch a bit, yeah, you know, yeah. but it was essential for the movie as a whole yeah. to do that. So, so that was okay. okay. That's, that's so beautiful. And do you know, what, what are you working on next? We are working on something. I cannot divulge much of it because it hasn't been greenlit, but I bet you it's going to get greenlit. I bet you. Right I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is. And if you need an actor, let me know. <laughs> the only thing I could tell you is that it's, uh, it's a true story and it takes place in Los Angeles. Okay. Sounds exciting. Is, yeah. Wow. And, yeah. and talk to me, you know, in, in your career as an artist and spanning from all the different countries you've lived in and, and yeah. things like that, what are, you know, for all the young actors that are, are listening, you know, I, I, we, we, we kind of spoke about this earlier that the landscape from when you came up is very different now with things like diversity and, and trans and, and gay and LGBTQ representation. But what are some words of wisdom you, you would have for actors that are maybe coming from Beirut to study at Strasbourg now? And, <laughs> and you know what? Well, I mean, it would, it's much easier now, I would think, and rightfully so. You know, I hate giving words of wisdom because everybody's trajectory is so different. Yeah. But what worked for me might not work for someone else. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could give words on how to be uh, how to be on set, like to be professional, to be on time, to not let your personal life, your addictions, your compulsive, whatever you have, um, take over. Yeah. Because the work has to be the most important thing. I have tremendous amount of love and passion for the work itself. Yeah. I mean, you have no idea. I'm so filled with excitement and passion about the work, the craft of it. You know, once the work is done, then you have the other type of work like this one, for instance, yeah. that I have to do. That's part of the job that feels like a job, that feels like important to sort of sell the project yeah. and the, the, the market it and all that. And that's tough. I mean, it's, yeah, tough. it's really but tough. Yeah. It's not something that I'm crazy about, honestly, but the actual work, the creative work, I think everybody has to feel that there is a sanctity yeah. to it. Yeah. And it could really be worshiped. 
Um, that that's my two cents actually about the work. Oh, and, and and what about from Peter's other head, the creative head? You know, for for all the aspiring writers now, we live in a time where you know every literally every platform in the world is creating content, and it's yeah. a hypersaturated marketplace. And unbelievably and so. so. Almost unsustainably, so it doesn't seem sustainably without yeah. it, Brian. It's unbelievable. I can't cope. Yeah, I mean, me either. It's Netflix, like my Apple, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Showtime. I mean, on and on. It is crazy. It is crazy now, but it's good. It's good. I mean, there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of diversity, which you- I'm very happy about. I mean, I watched something on Hulu that <clears throat> I don't remember what it what it was called, it was a mini-series about, you know, taking place in Iraq during the American invasion. Beautiful, beautiful wow. work. Yeah. I mean, but nobody knows of. Yeah. I mean, right now, nobody knows. I would not know if there's anything, something amazing yet. On because that. it's so diluted, the marketplace. It's, it's hard. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's like what pisses me off because a lot of good shows come and go and nobody knows about them. Yeah. Right now, it, the landscape has changed in a drastic, drastic way. But for the young writers, I'd say just write from your inner soul, write your voice, because the more personal you are about your work, the more universal it is. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Well, Peter, it's been such an honor having you, and I, oh, I, man. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours, and I, I would really love to work with you one day, just to be in a scene with you. I feel like it would be a masterclass in itself. Oh, that'd but be fun, man. That'd yeah, be fun. I, yeah. I, I, I want to ask you. You know, we, I, I just mentioned it. We spoke about it, but it's been a really trying year, and both as a creative and as an artist, as an actor. What's, what's kept you inspired through all this despair and trauma? That's such a great question, Ryan. That's a great question, actually. I mean, you're making me think because I've never thought of it. Um, it's it's okay if it's not an easy one. It's no, not. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. I'm thinking. I just need a second. There's a force inside inside us, right? There's a force. There's an energy, and that energy is there to express ourselves, to say something yeah. in this world. And that energy obviously is strong for it for it to sort of sustain and like uh, overcome all the difficulties that happen in the world. That was very important to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, now that I think about it, it was very important. It was the most important thing to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, to leave everything behind. Yeah. Family, country, language, culture, music, food, and just set off on this quest trip, yeah on this voyage yeah is is i mean a lot of people have done it i mean it's not unique but it's still not easy it's still not easy yeah. you know stopping in europe and gathering what i could gather there from culture and cinema and theater and dance and music and then always the focus was america because of the shows and the movies i grew up with yeah I remember the first movie, like in the theater, I saw was was um, Taxi Driver. Oh no way! <laughs> you know, Twelve, you know, yeah, you know, a heavy movie. <laughs> like talking to me, and yeah, and it was you know, and then falling in love with him and Meryl Streep. I don't know how good this movie is, but at the time for me, I was like fourteen. 
it was like, oh my God, I'm seeing magic between these two actors. Yeah. It was magic. I mean, it's incredible, you know. They, it, I mean, it's important. Right now, sometimes I say, what is it, Hollywood and acting? It's, is it really relevant? Yeah. And I remember when I was growing up, how important it was to me when I saw these actors, James Dean, De Niro, Meryl Streep, and how they make me, made me shiver. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, I hate being sort of flowery in my language sometimes, but it really made me shiver. And it oh. made me want to do this. It made me want to do it more. It made me want to come to America and to Hollywood and, and, you know, take a stab at it. Well, you've done such an amazing job and, and I'm so excited for the world to see you, Uncle Frank. I'm going to have the link right here. And uh, Peter McTeesey, thank you for coming on and giving back. And, and I, I, I hope we do this again soon. Oh, absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. All right. So much love. Okay. Thank Take you. care. All, All right. right. All right. Bye. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.